Hi, I'm Joe, and this is the Decahedron RPG Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Joe, no James this week. This is episode number 58, and it's about my Blood Pour Isle campaign. So a couple weeks ago, I talked about my Crowfield-style campaigns, and Blood Pour Isle is one of those in particular. And I'm going to do this a little differently. I'm rather than just telling you about the campaign and what it is at first. I'm going to give you kind of a uh, audio drama introduction, and there's going to be two parts. And the first part, uh, if you imagine, if you will, a courtyard, it's a fortress town, mainly built of wood, not stone, because it hasn't been there long enough. Um, a fortress town with, you know, stockade walls and a fort in the middle. And from one of the balconies of the fort overlooking the grand courtyard, which also serves as the marketplace for the town, the King Rugo is giving a proclamation. And this is his proclamation. People of Thelonia, hear me. On this day, I celebrate my 20th year as your king. Let it be known that I have brought greatness and prosperity to this land, which was once nothing but a mere island inhabited by savages. I, Rugo, the greatest pirate to ever sail the seas, discovered Thelonia by chance. I saw potential in this land, and with my crew, I made it my own. The so-called Silver Scale tribe, which once inhabited this island, was no match for me and my men. But it was not easy. When I first landed upon these shores, I was greeted as a friend, but the savages soon turned upon me. They thought that they could defeat me and my crew, but they were wrong. They did not know who they were dealing with. After being defeated in battle, I retreated back to the great continent, back to the city of Land's End, and there I raised a great army of loyal followers. We returned to Thelonia, and after much bloodshed, we conquered the Silver Scale tribe, and we established the settlement of Newport, which I later renamed as Bloodport, to honor the great battles fought upon these shores. And what of the Dunya, those scaly savages that once roamed this land? They were nothing but beasts. But I have tamed them, and I have made them serve me. They are now my loyal subjects, and they know their place. They work the fields, they mine the mines, and they are grateful for my protection and for my guidance. While other tribes may still defy me, they too will learn the price of disobedience. So, people of Thelonia, celebrate with me on this great day. Let us look back on our great triumphs, and let us look forward to even greater conquests ahead. For as long as I am your king, Thelonia will prosper and grow. All hail me! All hail King Rugo, King of Thelonia! Now, if you will imagine for our second scene, we are at the Temple of the Infant Son, and Adua the high priestess of the Dunya people is, she's passing along the lore of her people onto a new generation of leaders as they deliberate the future. And this is what she says. 
Long ago, when the world was still young, our land was peaceful and prosperous. We, Dunya, lived in harmony with the land, taking only what we needed and giving back to the earth. But we got greedy. We took more and more until the land could give no more. Then one day the earth itself rose up against us. On the first day of our punishment, the ground shook and split open, devouring many of our people. On the second day, the sea rose above us taller than a giant. She roared and smote us, washing away villages and entire families. On the third day, Kalenga spewed forth rivers of fire that destroyed our villages and crops. For three more days, the air was afire. It burned our lungs. It blinded our eyes. It choked us with smoke, cinder, and ash. Many of us perished, and those who survived were forever changed. But the worst was yet to come. Much of our food was lost, and the earth ceased to provide. In hunger and desperation, the Dunya turned upon each other. Brother fought brother, tribe fought tribe, and war reigned. Battle after battle claimed its victims, but death could not keep them. They rose again, seeking vengeance for the wrongs done to them. While we were busy destroying ourselves, along came Rugo and his Galathu to finish the job. They came to plunder our riches, to take our land, to enslave our people. Try as we might, we could not drive them away. And now as we see the Galathu exploit and abuse our land and our people, our hearts weep for those that toil day and night, their strength sapped by the relentless demands of the Galathu. The land that once sustained us now brings only pain and exhaustion. Many of our children know only the sound of the whip and the harsh words of our captors. Many are forced to work until their bones ache and spirits wither. We fear for the future of our tribes, for how much longer can we resist the Galathu onslaught? Will fighting them grant us deliverance free from the Galathu's chains, or will it bring us nothing but death? Is mere survival enough of a reward to justify aligning with them against other Dunya? Is death too high a price to pay to defend those tribes that we were at war with a mere generation ago? So I implore you, my dear young leaders, to approach the fate of our people with the utmost care and deliberation. Be mindful that both paths come with a heavy cost. Taking up arms against the Galathu may lead to the bloody final end of our people, while to align with them means surrendering not only our freedom, but also the freedom of our children and our children's children. No matter what you choose, there will be danger and heartache. I plead with you to consider all options and consequences with great caution and wisdom and to let the gods guide us towards our true destiny. So first of all, I would like to thank my wife for reading that for me. I think she did an awesome job. Uh, so thank you, Valerie. You rock. So what what do you think? Does does that give you a feeling for the for the campaign? I always thought if I were to publish this as a campaign source book type thing, those would be the first two pages, right? You read Rugo's proclamation, and then on the next page, you read Edoa's lament. But before I wrote those two, there was just the general write-up of the thing, which I, while I think tells you a little bit more, I don't think it gives you as much flavor, but I'm going to read that and I'll wrap this up. Um, the city of Bloodport is located on the eastern shore of an island in the Western Sea. It is the westernmost city uh, known to mankind. Uh, so a note here, when I originally wrote the campaign, I wrote it as a throwaway campaign uh, to be more high fantasy, to be more traditional D&D, &D, to have uh, all your normal D&D &D type races, your halflings and your elves and your dwarves and all that. That is not my style of play in general. I like very human-centric campaigns, very human campaigns. So as I'm recasting the campaign, 
I am making it humans only. But in my original write-up, it said that it's the westernmost city known to the kindred races. And then so a little bit of the history. Uh, so in the distant past, legends say that the Thelonian Empire was once a paradise on Earth. It was located on the eastern shore of a great island, and silver and gold flowed like rivers, and gems were found along the ground like common rocks. The Thelonians were a bold and brave bunch of humanity. They were the paragons of law and morals. Their temples were grander than palaces. As time went by, the Thelonians grew accustomed to great wealth, and they became fat and lazy. Worse, they became arrogant and defied the gods themselves. The gods withdrew their blessings, and hordes of chaotic races attacked the Thelonians. No longer bold or brave, they fled their lands, and the empire was lost to history forever. So the legends say. Um, so clearly that is a recasting of the Atlantis myth set in my world. Instead of Atlantis, it's Thelonia. Uh, it's the Thelonians. And I use hordes of chaotic races. Even though I run human-only campaigns, uh, the Dunya are non-human-ish. <laughs> and so I still allow them for story purposes, uh, but they're not a player race. So that was the distant past 20 years ago. Uh, so just over 20 years ago, the famed pirate Rugo Rumblesmith. Now, originally, he was a halfling because a halfling pirate just made me chuckle a little. But in my human-only system, he is a human now. Anyway, the famed pirate Rugo Rumblesmith was blown off course in a storm. He discovered a new land, which he declared to be the lost shores of Thelonia. The land was under the control of the silver scale tribe of the Dunya. Originally, I said kobolds. Uh, Rugo fled back to the city of World's End, where he raised forces and returned to liberate Thelonia. Okay, uh, by the way, the city of World's End, that is taking from my personal experiences. So when you walk the Camino de Santiago in Spain, you start, you know, wherever you start, and you walk to Santiago de Compostela. And then a lot of people continue their walk to Murcia, which is also on the coast of Spain. And some also continue on to a place called Finisterra. But if you look at the word Finisterra in Latin, fini, you know, that means end, terra, uh, earth, you know, it's the end of the world. And, you know, that sounds very dramatic. So we literally went to the, the end of the earth. And I have a picture of my wife pushing me off the rocks. She didn't really push me. It was staged. It's kind of funny. It's cute. But yeah, so that's where Finisterra is. But even if you don't want to go Latin and Spanish, in England, there's a place called Land's End. So it's that, that was the inspiration for the name of World's End. Anyway, uh, so after, yeah, so where he raised a force and returned to liberate Thelonia, uh, he, was, he conquered the... Dunya, or the Kobolds, depending, you know, which version of this story you want. And he established the city of Newport. From there, bold adventurers set forth and discovered wealth beyond imagination, but they also found danger and death. The city was so dangerous in those days that it acquired the nickname of Bloodport. Today, Rugo still rules Bloodport as the self-proclaimed King of Thelonia. All the lands closest to the city have been plundered and somewhat tamed. Adventurers must travel further west to find greater wealth. The Dunya, or kobolds, that lived along the shore have been subjugated and serve as a source of cheap labor. In the, you know, D&D version, the humans still dominate the city, but there's a sizable population of elves, dwarves, halflings, and of course, uh, subjugated kobolds. 
subjugated Dunya in my world. Uh, so in, in the current iteration, it's humans and a lot of subjugated Dunya. The overall alignment of the city is neutral with a strong chaotic subculture, although lawful types are permitted. Again, that's for the D&D version of it. Yeah, so that is Blood Pearl Isle. And like I said in the other podcast, the other episode, uh, the whole concept is that it's very dungeony but on an island, right? And so your your first level of the dungeon is right outside the the gates. Your second level would be a few days further west. Your third level, a few a few days further west from that, and adventures ensue. And whether or not this island is really Thelonia is unanswered. Mm. That's not true. I know the answer in my mind, but I've never stated it. Some players that have played in it believe that it is. Some uh, believe that Rugo just made it up uh, in order to attract followers. I'll, I'll go on record and say that last part is definitely true. He had no basis to declare it Thelonia. He just did that. But who knows? He might be right. He might be wrong. Anyway, that's that's it for this week. That's uh, Bloodport Isle. Let me know if you want to hear more about my campaign worlds. Let me know what you think about blood. blood bleh, let me know what you think about Bloodport Isle. Let me know if you'd like if you think you would like to play a game in Bloodport Isle, or if you think it would be a good setting of where you'd want to run one. Yeah. Oh, and don't forget, our contest is still going. We now have a couple entries, so uh, they each have a fifty percent chance <laughs> of winning. Uh, if you enter, you might have a thirty-three percent chance of winning. If nobody else does, anyway, uh, all you do is send us your, as feedback your favorite gaming book. Again, when I say gaming book, I, I mean a gaming-related non-rule book. But if you want to make it a rule book, you know, feel free. All the love is there. I won't hate on you for it. If you want to make it a non-gaming book, but that has inspired you for gaming stuff, there are a lot of inspirations in, in Blood Pro Isle. I'm sure you've picked up on, right? There's Atlantis, which I already mentioned, but there are a few others. To me, they are obvious. Anyway, yeah, let us know what that is. And if, you know, you want to enter the contest, but you, you don't want a copy of the book we're giving away, which is through Dungeons Deep, that's fine. I'll work with you and I'll, I'll donate the money to a charity that we both can agree on or something. You know, it's all for fun. Uh, thanks again for listening. Until next week. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Decahedron RPG cast. We'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a voice message by calling 562 774 that's 562-RPG-CAST. Or by visiting sayhi.chat slash decahedron. You can also email us at feedback at decahedron.com. Links are in the show notes. For more information, visit decahedron.com. Remember that decahedron is spelled with a K. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Logo is by Design Cat. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, keep those dice rolling.